0: Hey everyone, it's John Corella, one of the co-creators and executive producer of Dance Moms. And I am super excited, I feel so excited to be doing a podcast about all things dance. We're going to talk about dance and film and TV, we're going to talk about the dance competition world and we're also going to talk about some LGBTQ issues that intersect with dance. This space is going to be a safe space for myself, for you, for the guest to use our voice. Well, I feel so good after this conversation with Gina and Lennon Torres. I met them years ago, um, casting for Dance Moms and fell in love with them then. Not just because they're from Arizona, where I'm from, but just because of their boldness. And this conversation is so great hearing about Lennon's journey as a transgender woman and Gina's journey as a mother. And I'm super excited to share, you know, one of the key things that I learned from Lennon was when she said, when you have your why, the how becomes more clear. And I think that's so important for all of us. So let's sit back and listen to these powerful women talk about their why. Okay, here I am with Lennon and Dance Mom Gina. Hello. Say hello. hello.
1: I, I say can't, hola. I can't believe we got her to do this. No she hasn't done anything I, in years.
0: I know. When was the last interview you did? I
1: don't even know the last probably interview. ten years. Yeah. A decade, everyone.
0: Yeah. A decade. Wow. A lot has was transformed, in. changed in a decade. Well, I want you both to know I sit here very humbly before you both. Seriously, thank you for coming and giving of your time to have this meaningful conversation. So that's what this is about. Like I said before, this is a safe space. We can be messy. My whole thing is to be um, a safe place to have meaningful conversations. So to break the ice. Not that there's, well, there's not even ice in that drink, I don't think, Gina. That's impressive.
2: I'm telling you, there's ice. Hear it?
0: Oh, there is. Okay, I didn't think there was ice. I was like, wow, that's just like straight, straight, up. straight up. Casamigos. It's tequila on the rocks. Oh. It's the only way to do it. Look at that.
2: Could we be? I can't. We're just twinsies.
0: So this is something good to start on because obviously someone like me, I knew you as Zach Zachary, and now I know you as Lennon. How, what would be advice to someone like me in embracing that and honoring that, but as well as honoring Lennon? Because I think for me, I can feel a little, um, sensitive to that and I don't want to hurt you. So how would I go about and embracing that and talking about that time of our lives?
1: Yeah. Um, great place to start. We're jumping right on in. Um, yeah, I, I really <laughs> say that, like, I, I'm pretty vocal about like, always connecting to my past self a little bit. I mean, I've always been myself and I've been really lucky to grow up in a family in an environment where I did feel supported. And I think because of that, every step of my growth, every step of my childhood, I was really honest about who I was. I mean, in high school, I wanted to paint my nails. So I started painting my nails. I started wearing makeup junior year of high school. I started dressing more feminine in high school. I started to, I was feminine in middle school. And so I feel like, I always say that Lenin is was always me, and Zachary will always be a part of me. I don't mm. view it as a thing like some people do um and I think that is like a misconception among gender non-conforming gender queer individuals is that there's this transition, and I always say that, you know, we're all growing and developing. And so it's not that I was once this person and am now this person, I just grew up into who I was supposed to be.
2: So I would say that. And I think, I don't know, maybe, John, are you asking how to address her as, you know, like she was a child in dance moms or?
0: That as well too, yes. That's a part of it as well. kind
2: of Well, that? I just kind of felt like he was like, how do I address you pre?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think, I think it's like, a, how do we talk about this at the beginning of this
2: conversation? Um,
1: if we're getting granular, I would say that, you know, trans people were always themselves. So I always say like little Lennon, I, I call that's myself I say, by too. my name during like, you know, Lennon was on dance songs when she was a kid, that's like all said. of the affirming pronouns and names. Um, but yeah, I I don't, I don't ever blame anyone who doesn't know that. It's kind of a different kind of conversation to have. And so I, I would say that, you know, use, always use the affirming pronouns unless you're, you know, making a specific statement about my, my name being Zachary or something like yeah. that. But I would say pretty much always use just the affirming name and pronoun. <clears throat> and for people that don't know that or didn't know that, You know, now. So, you know, you just hop on and get moving.
0: So, yeah. So I can call, I can say Little Lennon. I like that. Is that okay? Yeah, do it. Okay. Little Lennon. So, because you sent a picture of Little Lennon and your mom 10, 12 years ago. And I actually was surprised by that because I don't know why. Maybe I just, I, I felt you were embracing that part of yourself. So when you say part, because I love parts, I mean we all have different parts of ourselves. At least I think we all do. You know, not to sound crazy, you know, like we're these multiple personalities. But yeah. you know, we have uh, we have the unhinged side, right? Dance mom Gina. We do. <laughs> we have the scaredy cat side. You know, I definitely struggle with that at times. We have all these different parts. So. It sounds as though Little Lennon is not a bad part.
2: No, no, she. I think I feel like she's really good about um, not being fussy over a picture of her, you know, ten, twelve years ago, five years ago, whatever. Like I feel like you're good about sharing those things.
1: I um, think, yeah, I think for for a lot for other people that is a trigger. You it know, is, yeah, it can be a real trigger to look at. Uh, photos before you were embracing your full self for a lot of trans people but for me it's always I don't know I just I feel like I always was myself you know there weren't I didn't live in the closet for a lot of years I lived were you gonna laugh
2: I'm not laughing. I'm just saying I, we I had a lot of closets. Yeah, we had a lot of
1: closets. I came out three times. I came out as gay in high school, non-binary in college and trans in grad school. And it was one of those. <laughs> thank you. Um, it was one of those things that, you know, when I figured it out, I was ready to share. There was never, um, not necessarily a holding pattern. And and I see that as a really big privilege because a lot of people yeah. do have to keep that to themselves and hide who they are for many reasons, safety, financial, uh, social circumstances, relationships. And so for me, I didn't have that. I was always really supported by my mom and my dad and by my younger sister. And I, I feel really protected. And I always have. And so I think that's why I was able to come out so many times. (laughs)
0: Um, uh, I definitely want to get to that too. I didn't want to, well, I kind of did want to move in quickly, but I don't want to go there too much. I want to be gentle. So now I know how to go little Lennon.
1: Um, Just said no.
0: What?
2: No, gentle. You don't have to be
0: gentle. You know, I don't have to be, but I love to be gentle. <laughs>
2: it's so. just who you are.
0: <laughs> That's where I'm at these days, because on that, what I was going to say is that, you know, especially right now, there's a lot of suffering going on. I mean, intense suffering in the transgender community, gay community, overseas, um, everywhere. Mm. and so that's why i definitely want to talk about suffering and how to help people out of this suffering you know i think even with dance moms showcasing a world that was magical and beautiful and dance moms isn't on but that world is still there i Mm. still teach and still go to these dance competitions and it's there's a lot of magic in it, but there's still a lot of suffering in it. So to talk about stuff like that, um, so to kind of ground us, thought this would kind of be fun. Don't worry, it's not like a, it's not a drinking game. <laughs> that would be more fun. <laughs> that would probably be more fun. No, so I just wanted to add, well, I'll start the game. So how am I feeling? Well, I'm feeling super excited to be talking to you. And I'm feeling sad about the suffering that is going on right now. I think for me, one, you didn't even notice my hat. I know. You can't see it because the brim is up. It was up. Is it Diamondbacks? No, it says AZ State Fair 23. Arizona State Fair 2023. I wore it just for you all. So my whole point is I was there um, because my mom unfortunately had a stroke about a month and a half ago, my dance mom. So that's been super challenging for me. So, um, just to kind of be looking at meaningful lives and suffering that goes on. So, so the question is, is how are you feeling? That's how I'm feeling. So how are you feeling Lennon right now in this moment about this conversation?
1: I'm, I'm feeling very ready for it. I, I, I think I insinuated this in my emails and we've seen each other a couple of times over the past couple of years. And I think, I feel very empowered to say how I actually feel. And yeah, I, I won't get too flowery cause I'm sure you have more questions, but yeah, I, I feel, I feel empowered and I feel to, to share. Um, and I also just feel anxious. I'll be honest. Um, I haven't done an interview with my mom <laughs> I know it's been forever, so it's like a little weird, but it's good. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm ready to go. Let's
0: Okay. So you go. feel ready. Both of you. Well, oh. you both feel ready. Yeah. We all feel ready and excited, at least that's a common thing. Um, so then, and you said empowered. So I love that because in this day and age, we all need to feel empowered. So what makes you feel empowered Lennon and how do you stay empowered?
1: I actually have had quite the year of having to be empowered there has been a lot that we've kind of gone through together as a family and for me in my professional life as well a lot of most recently hardships in my professional professional world and it was really hard to be empowered because people really go out of their way to take power away from people that threaten them. And I've experienced that um, as I'm sure a lot of people have. And the funny answer to this is I watch Michelle Obama videos and then I'm like ready to take on the world. Um, But (laughs) the real answer is, you don't always feel empowered. You feel weak at times. You feel sad that someone has been able to take your power away. And it's just about constantly reminding yourself of why you're doing what you're doing. And then it's very easy to empower yourself to do it. When you have a why, the how becomes more clear. And that's been something Mm. that's really been true for me in all of the professional endeavors I've been doing recently.
0: I love that. I love that. I mean, I even have a, behind this computer, I have a picture of, well, there's one up, but there's about three young boys that killed themselves for being gay when they were bullied. So I keep that up around in my office to kind of, like you just said, remind me of why I'm doing this when. I feel like I have, when I'm making it about me, really, at the end of the day, when it's like I'm focusing on myself and this really isn't about me. And this is even this, even all these interviews I've been doing are really about giving you all a voice. How do you stay ready? Because you said ready. How do you stay ready in this day and age with this fierce daughter of yours, two daughters, and, you know, being gina in phoenix arizona looking the way you do how do you stay ready
2: how do i stay ready um well i'm off of all my social media so that's okay been, that, that's been really good um so i'm not constantly, constantly like no you know i like
0: that. i want that real that's I mean, those are real answers. You know, this isn't 2011. This is 2023. So people are definitely making those choices now.
2: Yeah, I've I've deleted everything. um, Except for I follow things that she does and that Mia does. But that's it. And I don't scroll or anything. Um, Everything else is deleted. I I don't have like any stuff. Um, So I think that's best for my mental health. 'Cause I think it's really mm-hmm. easy to um compare yourself to other people or worrying worry about what other people are doing and what you're not doing. You know, all the things that that make us um a little um what's the word? Like um uneasy. Yeah, uneasy anxious. And yeah, yeah. So I, I I've given yeah. up that uh side of my life and and just just, just looking at other people and scrolling and what do I have? What don't I have? And I've just let it, let it all go. That's one. And I've noticed a huge difference in the way that
1: my mom carries herself ever since she did get off social media. She was like, you know, she's a nosy, nosy woman. She's like wanting to know what everyone's doing. And, and I think that it exhausted her and, and, I would say that is how you stay ready. And like my mom is a workout queen these days. She found her outlet and she is just, she lives her life for herself. And I think that's what's different about you now. It's just like, you don't, like, we are not, we don't live here anymore. Mia lives in New York. I live in LA. You know, my dad and my mom got back together after a divorce and now they are just very happy and they have to They live their lives and it's really nice to see. As I get older, I like, I actively choose to travel home so that I don't have to care for myself anymore. And I have a pantry full of food and like the things that parents do is insane. And I'm not even just being a suck up to her. (laughs) Like, I don't need to do that anymore. But I just, she, I don't know how you did all that. I don't know how you did all that. It was honestly insane. She's like on camera one week and then driving 300 miles a week for, if not more for us to be in school and dance, like in, Oh God, the money, it was just, it was chaos. It was a shit show.
2: I mean, it really was a shit show, but I mean, just taking myself away from all that and just getting a little bit more grounded in my life has, is what keeps me ready. That's, that's the short.
0: And you know what, Lennon? I bet you your mom would agree with this, too. She did it for you.
2: Yeah. I I mean, you can't not, you know, you see like you see um, somebody who's so focused on something and you can't not.
1: Well, I will say for you, you can't not, I know plenty a- of parents that are living through their children and like do it for themselves. And yeah, there is I a guess. world where you didn't have to do that. You I could guess. have said, Hey, we're not going to sell our house and move across the state of Arizona. So you can go to the school that you won't get bullied at. It's
2: your kid's passion. When your kid has a passion, you can't, I cannot ignore it. You know what I mean? Like you could, you have to dive into that. I think.
0: And you always, both of you were always so, I mean, you still are, but I remember that. I think it was like, one, it was calming because you were from Dance Connection. And then two, it was calming because you were from Arizona. Yeah. And then three, you just both had that. And then Little Lennon back then, I identified with Little Lennon back then, remembering myself at that age. So that was meaningful and then you were um and are were always so sweet and kind of i don't want to say um naive gina but maybe just kind of a watcher you know and kind of um sitting back which is like kind of a good place to be you know because then you're not as affected for your mental health it's a good place to be i stand by that
1: i think too i I think one of my regrets, if we go there for the day, one of my regrets about being on Dance Moms was that I was so worried about my reputation, which is wild to think at 12 years old, or 13, <laughs> at 13 years old, that I was worried about how I was going to be perceived. And I told her all the time, like, dress like this and shut your mouth. Like, don't <laughs> don't cause a scene. I don't, if a teacher's yelling at me, let me fend for myself. Like, you not the
0: dance mom. You're the dance mom, Lennon.
1: I was like, Don't get involved. Like, don't get involved. But I wish I would have said, do whatever the yeah. hell you want, because you... Yeah. Let her rip. It would have been way more fun.
2: <laughs> so, I Question.
0: think... Lennon, since you, yeah. you already are giving me dance mom vibes, <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, do you want kids?
1: Oh, um, yeah, I do. It's like my, I would say, I feel like my purpose in life, my, my why I was
2: your purposes. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of purposes.
1: I was, I was saying earlier, you know, when you have your why, the, how becomes more clear. And my why has always been, it started a couple years ago was for my younger self. And then it was. For young kids, and then it was now is for just kids. And the job I'm in now, which we can talk about later, is directly benefiting the lives of so many children that don't have voices for themselves to advocate for themselves. And so, I would say my ethos, my my why, is always kids, whether they're my own or not. And but if you want kids, I really want kids. If this world can get its shit together, I would say it's kind of a common thing among people who are in my generation. I'm Gen Z and we understand the hardships of bringing kids into this world. And right now I'm not super impressed with at least the U S and if I, I've been saying a lot actually this week that like, If I have kids, I want to move to Canada or I want to move somewhere else because right now I don't think I could send my kid to school. I don't think I could do a lot of the things that I want to do because it's scary. It's scary. And that's a real thing. And so to everyone who is a parent to young kids, I I applaud you and I hope you're their biggest advocate because they need it right now. I mean, even in the news right now, the like attorneys general from multiple states are suing Meta, um, who owns Instagram and Facebook, and Threads, pretty much all of social media, and they're suing them for addictive features on their apps. And that's true. There's how many? I mean, there's a joke like, "Are you an iPad kid?" But like, how many kids do you see that are just like glued into their iPads? So. Considering I just went on like a three minute rant about kids, I think you can tell the answer is yes, I'm passionate about kids, but whether or not I end up actually having them is is a question. Um, I did freeze my sperm because as a trans woman, when you start transitioning, you become infertile most likely, not everyone, but some people do. And I didn't want to lose that opportunity. So I froze my sperm at 21.
0: That's amazing. I I didn't know that. And I... I didn't even know that was done. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing. I did. I mean, I, I did it.
2: Remember when you got home from doing that? Yeah, it goes, how'd it go? And what did I say? How do you think it went? I had to go to a little room by myself.
1: It's really weird. Those rooms are
2: eerie.
1: I had to, that's a funny story, actually. No, no, you don't. No, I'm not telling the, I went to this fertility clinic clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona was during COVID. I was home. And these people just had no idea what a trans woman was. Like, I I swear to God, I was like an animal to them. And like, not even like in a rude way. They just had never seen it before. So they were like, well, we need a signatory of the person who's going to like, who are you going to give this to? And where's your wife or your, your per, like, who's your partner? And, and I just was like, the amount of questions that you're asking me is giving me an anxiety attack. I'm I'm already here yeah. to master. It I got to perform. A, like I have to <laughs> perform. Yeah, they can did. they legally ask you? That? Well, because it's on all the forms. Like all the forms systematically are like who? Because when you think about donating, it's like usually for an IVF or like you're selling. Like it's just they hadn't ever had a trans patient before, and so I looked at the lady in the face. This poor <laughs> woman. I said, I'm gonna leave. And I'm going to come back in about 30 seconds, and we're going to try this all again, and you're going to do better. And she did, so good for you. Then I finished in a cup and came
2: home. Oh my god, and it went great.
0: Is there anything you you want to say that you feel you've needed to get off your chest or use your voice?
2: I don't regret doing it. Um, I feel like if anything, and the only reason I ever agreed to do it was because I wanted to give her a chance to maybe um, do big things in life. She has a platform now so she can make a difference. So I definitely don't regret it because I love that for her. Like she, she can make a difference and um, be a voice. So, you know, it's kind of like weighing and in.
0: And that's what is um, kind of, you know, move on go a little forward is that I mean a makeup line great <laughs> the platform Lennon's doing super meaningful
2: I agree
0: I yeah, agree that is, the, that is what I think is the change in the dance competition world is they're trying to you know dance is a it's a form of art it's a lot of it's there's a lot of meaning in it you know yeah. LA company work Jazz. I mean, when you go to the root of it, what it's supposed to do to people, dance competitions, not, I mean, I think it's more product of the system of capitalism found a way in the 80s to capitalize on competition and box it up and sell it to America. You know, there's not that many, there might be more now, but it's one of the first nations to do that with competitive dance for kids. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it's not a global thing. It's more of an American thing. So I think the, what we're seeing now, which is exciting and hard, is that struggle from meaningless to meaningful in the sense of how do we keep this world of dance conventions and dance competitions meaningful and still have makeup and rhinestones and you know, costumes. So it's, it's a struggle. I think it's one of, it's similar to USA Gymnastics. I say that for sure. You know, USA Gymnastics, they have a governing board who didn't do a great job either. But, you know, dance competitions, there's no governing board. There's no board of people that are there to advocate for the kids. And to and of these kids that are competing, and yeah. so um, say that again.
2: It's the dance moms. It's the dance moms,
0: and yeah, and some dance dads, as we've all seen. But also, I will go. I will actually push back on that and say, dance moms just want to win. So if you change the system, that meaningful things win. They will follow that system. So it's really the system of the conventions, the dance competitions and the teachers, because at the end of the day, if they say, you you know, you're wearing too much makeup, they're going to take off 10 points. The dance mom would be like, take it off because <laughs> they want they want their child to win. So that's... Um, so about advocating, I said, for... You know, kids in these dance competitions, and you grew up in dance competitions, Lennon. I know that. How old were you when you first started competing?
1: I started competing when I was ten.
0: And what did you love about it?
1: <laughs> I loved <a> lot everything. <laughs> yeah, I loved. I loved a lot about it. It was enamoring to me. The dance competition industry was enamoring. It was the lights, the attention, the way that you look up to these teachers was, they were the biggest stars in the world to me as a 24 year old thinking back that the people I was idolizing so much were younger or the same age as I am now. It blows my mind how much influence they had on at least me and The people that I was surrounded by. And I think to your point earlier, it is up to the competitions to hire and vet good people and make sure they're qualified to do what they're doing. I think there's such a lack of due diligence in the dance industry. It's not, you know, tech, or it's not these other big industries that have these structures, we've kind of built them ourselves. And there's good in that there's passion in it. But there's also other parts of it that can be really scary. Where is any sort of accountability? Where is the respect for young kids and their growth and their mental health? And don't get me wrong, there are such incredible teachers out there. There are there. You know, I had some of the best convention teachers that that are just amazing, Chris Jacobson comes to mind, Jen yes. Freeman comes to mind uh these teachers that are good people and care about what they're doing and understand like what they give these kids and I just think that there needs to be more checks and i I don't know if I would let my kid do what I did growing up, and that's no shame on my mom, she had no idea, but it's it's a shame on the. The people who were in charge that let that happen, but yeah, it's just about hiring good people and making sure they're good people because I think, as we all can understand these days, is there's a lot of assholes out there, (laughs) and so we've gotta we gotta stop. There is, it's wild. They're everywhere.
0: Are those teachers that you love still teaching? The Chris Jacobson, I think he's still on circuit.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the teachers I love are still on circuit. They're, a lot of them are at Adrenaline and Revive. Um, personally, I found, that, I found that to be the least toxic of the the convention touring circuits that I've ever participated in. And I met a Which lot of- Which two? Adrenaline and Revive.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've never, I think, actually, I think I've been to Adrenaline once. So this is what I'll tell you. And this is collectively. I think this is the world collectively. You know, dance competitions are just a reflection of our world, believe it or not. Like everything is. Um, business as usual. It's business as usual. Because yeah. I'm there. They put out, the, they put out the, the email. They post. They say all the right things. And you look back and you see the person that, exactly, Gina, yeah, the the money thing. So what I do, I'm happy that those two are teaching still. There's these people that are in power. I mean, you're in politics too. And that make these choices and they put out these things that, yes, we're for the transgender community. We're for the gay community. Sorry, we say we're sorry. But then they're still in those positions of power when they helped that system. So what I always say is, let someone else lead. Let these people be in power. Let them run the convention. Let them own the convention. Let them be consultants on dance shows. Rather than, okay, we're sorry, but these people are still going to be in place that helped create that. It's not to, and my whole thing is what I feel is it's that need for power and they don't want to give up their power. Maybe money, but it's, yeah, you know, let someone else have a chance. There's so many good teachers out there. There's so many good um, conventions out there. There's so many good people out there. Let them be in those positions. How do we keep them safe for the gay community and the transgender community when there's dance studios who whose owners are transphobic and are homophobic? Because it's a melting pot for all Americans. Anyone? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, I have thoughts. Um, I always have thoughts. Um, (laughs) You know, I think what's sticking out to me is these studios are reflections of the communities that they're a part of. And if you are going to be a dance teacher that continuously does the wrong thing, then you shouldn't be invited to these competitions. If these, it, I would say that in the same way that refs kick out screaming parents or coaches that are rude and like you see it all. I've been watching the World Series. I've been, I went, I've been home this week. I've been to a lot of my cousins football games. I saw like some coaches get real riled up and then they're kicked out. So my thought is if these companies are really saying what they're saying and are doing and and really care about the values that they are putting these statements out, then reject business from people that don't align with your values. It's an agreement. When you be
0: accountable for your platform, be accountable for your platform. uh, The FIG for gymnastics does that. I mean, the Russians are not allowed. They haven't been competing at worlds or the Olympics for since the war started. So They some have, they have the best gymnast at times too. Mm -hmm. So they are not allowed to compete. So some of these studios are good studios with good dancers. It's money, but it's also talent. Talent can be very confusing, you know, like it's kind of like an idol. Like if someone's super talented, you kind of can be deceived by that and give them, um, an idol i mean it is it's like you're worshipping their talent so you have to be okay to say no to the talent and no to the money to end suffering because that's an idol and idols always create suffering and for us and for people i mean that's something that i definitely believe and um and also i do feel you know i've said this about i always bring gymnastics in because i used to be a gymnast i might have said this before too but And this might go into this, this next conversation, because I know someone who um, has transitioned to a young girl. Now she's 14. What are they going through on how to compete right now? How the, the confusion, not for them, but the, how do I do what I love and still compete? So I always say, You know, the Olympics bring people together. That was the spirit of the Olympics. It really wasn't about the sports. The sport was the dance, was the backdrop. So dance competitions bring people together for us to get to know each other. And dance is the dance backdrop. Unfortunately, winning has become the main priority, ego, superiority. So that's taken a, a back. But what are your thoughts and feelings? And what is this little girl going through? Right now, Lennon, that has transitioned at a young age that wants to compete.
2: I mean, there's
1: so much. There's a lot. With there's that. so much with that. I, I mean, this is where I have a hard time, to be honest. Like, this hits, like, a hard part of the conversation because I often want to be a beam of light and an inspiration and someone who tells people to push the boundaries and, and do what you got to do and use your voice. And, and I still firmly believe in all of that, but I, I think that it's ignorant to scream that from the rooftops because it's not always possible. It's just not, you know, sometimes it's not safe to be who you are and safety is a priority. I'm not saying it's a good thing or it's something that we shouldn't be working to actively change. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know all the circumstances of this 14 year old girl and what she's going through. Um, and I just I can't because I don't know if it's safe for her to do that. I don't know if she has a has the mental capacity to be fighting battles every day. I personally had quite the stamina for fighting battles. <laughs> and I don't know why. I don't know. I, I, there's no rhyme or reason. My mom didn't like necessarily teach me to be a rebel. Like it was just kind of, it was not, it was just something that I had. And, and I'm grateful for it because it opened the pathway. And for specifically what I'm thinking about is my time at USC and in the dance program there. Like I felt capable of pushing the boundaries and I felt capable of being loud and I felt safe to do that. And so I did. And I hear all the time from younger students that uh, have come up after me. Oh, you changed this program that I'm able to do this now. And so, you know, I, I, I'd look at that little girl, Mm. the 14 year old girl and say, it's not your job to fix this. You know, it's not. And, and don't let anyone tell you it is. But if you feel inspired to keep pushing and you feel like you've got it in you, that's the fight that so many advocates before us had to tap into and live. And so there's just a double-edged sword of like, I I I have such a hard time, and I think it's a bigger conversation now of of you know why is it up to the one fourteen transgender fourteen year old to change the dance industry like. It
0: should be the entire... So what would you say say then to... Because it's not up to her. What would you say to the dance competition people who run it and conventions? How should they advocate for her and support her in competing at their events? What do they need to change and how can they do it?
1: My short answer is for them to shape up and get their shit together. But my... My answer, my, my polished answer, I would say is more of just do your research, talk to people, converse with people that do this in the field, you know, like it, it is their job to make their events. Actually, I'll say it doesn't have to be. If they want their event to be transphobic, fine, I'm not going, but if they're going to be a place for everyone, then. They need to do the due diligence. They need to have conversations. They need to research. They need to make changes. They need to invest money. And they need to hold themselves accountable for those changes. And that's what the bottom line is. You know, I I know so many of these convention teachers and the people that are at the top of their convention circuits. And I do this for a living. I, I volunteer to be a public-facing trans woman. I volunteer to... To to do consulting work, and I've done it before. I've worked with New York City Ballet and Pacific Northwest Ballet, Miami City Ballet. I've worked with these directors before to make these changes that need to happen. And so, find people. I'm not the only one you
0: doing know it. that. I love that. I'm I'm giving. i having. I'm having a proud dance dad moment. I didn't yeah. know you worked with all those amazing. Companies. Yeah,
1: a lot of
2: that changing the. And label. what did you say?
0: Are they embracing the transgender community into their dance companies? Have they hired more transgender men and women?
1: um I would say the system hasn't been adapted enough to where there are enough transgender people that have gotten to that level yet. Usually, the system breaks them down and they don't make it that far um but someone who I am just and like such a fan of is um, Ashton Edwards. She is, I hope I'm using the right pronouns. I'll use they, them pronouns for now, but Ashton Edwards, they're just such an amazing ballerina. They're in Pacific Northwest, or at least they were the most recent time I followed up with them. And that's who someone I really am inspired by. They, They just... They put on the tutu and they learn the variations. They learned the point work and they're freaking phenomenal. One of the best ballerinas, gender completely separate than I've seen in our, our generation. And that's at Pacific Northwest Ballet, which is a very dominant dance company, ballet company in the US. And some of these other directors that I've had a chance to talk to. So the person who... Kind of gave me this platform was jody gates who um at the time that i was at usc she was the vice dean and director and she was really really honestly tentative at first she was she comes from the joffrey ballet school she worked with william Forsythe, these like well-known staples and in, in ballet and and she was like i don't know about that and then you know i kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and then finally she was like i get it actually and she was one of my fiercest advocates and she put me in those rooms with those people made those connections for me and a lot of these ballet directors um feel really really passionate about making their schools and their companies better they just don't know how Um, but to their defense, they found someone who did know how, and they hired me and they paid me money and I, and I taught them what I knew and I haven't followed up. I haven't worked with the, I haven't seen these directors in a while since COVID. I haven't worked with New York city ballet in probably a year and a half now, but I I hope they took some of what I said. I hope that it, it changed something, but it's about investing time and money. You've got to put your money where your mouth is it's not something that happens overnight like it's same thing with all
0: So interesting to me is that these are communities that are supposed to be inclusive and open and accepting of the gay community they are at times i don't see a lot of male male duets in ballet companies i don't so i can't really say they're even super supportive of that in their work or the transgender community so it makes me sad because I feel, I feel sad because it shows you again, they have to be willing to lose money. They ha- That's it's, how it's, I look at it. I'm going to say they're not, they're, say that again.
1: I was going to say it's, I have two thoughts. One, it's not necessarily losing. Yeah. Well, cause sometimes you'll deter an audience. Okay. You're right there. It is some, You, something you have to be willing to put your money where your mouth is. And that sometimes you will lose some of it um I hear a lot about uh, one of the conversations I had I wasn't planning on going here but I'll go there now <laughs> is I worked with a uh, someone who was a part of the balancing trust and she was really supportive and she was saying you know I'm trying really hard to get the the balancing trust and the board to accept these types of people and and let multiple genders perform these roles doesn't matter it's what you're trained in if you're good enough you do it it's not about what gender you are and she expressed that there was a lot of conflict there and it and it did boil down to the fact that it was either we were allowed to do the rep at this is at usc we were allowed to do it or we weren't and So that's, those are the types of people we need or the people that are willing to, that are like inside. You know, I've been talking a lot in my new job about an inside game versus an outside game. You need the people that are on the outside that are being loud and that are advocating and pushing, but you really need the people that are on the inside that have a seat at the table, that are willing to jeopardize their seat at the table. And I think the reason you feel that these places aren't supportive of you know these minority communities or communities that are marginalized is because they get a taste of it and they they have a seat now and they have the power and they don't want to do anything that's going to risk them losing it and and i have exactly to I have exactly to, that's a really relatable thing you know like i get so excited uh i there were many a times when i was out working with new york city ballet for example you know i was working with these rep directors and there were times where I wanted to let certain things go because I was thinking like, oh, my gosh, I look up to so many of these directors. And and I what if I want to work with them one day and they think I'm and then I had to think to myself, no, no, I had to be willing to lose my spot at the table. And and that's really what it's about.
0: Well, yeah, when you're willing to lose things, you gain them. It's kind of a weird spiritual <laughs> law. <laughs> but. When you when you're willing to it's like when you're willing to not care if you go on a date, all of a sudden all the dates just flourish in.
1: I experienced right Lennon? I was gonna say I'd experienced that too.
0: No, so um now I have a little like heartfelt question. Sentimental question. If the company world was more embrace of, of the transgender community, would you still be dancing?
2: Um, I don't think you're not dancing because it's not, I think you're not dancing because so many other things are so important right now in your life. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, I think that's like, that's definitely, uh, that's really a big part of it. I, I've always been someone with multiple interests, with multiple passions and there are more important things in my life right now. You're an
0: amazing dancer. You dance amazing and you always have. And so, you know, I'm,
1: I'm good. No, it's, it's like, I think about so the
0: dance dad me. There's a dance mom and the dance dad in me, you know, we loved, loved it. And so do you miss seeing her dance? Oh yeah. Gina,
1: I do. Well, when I am kind of dancing a little bit here and there, I just did a show last week or last month with a company in um, LA. And it was my first on stage live performance in three and a half years, I think. Yeah, three and a half years. Um, March, 2020 was the most recent time. And then it was September, 2023. Um, and it was really weird, um, <laughs> but it was a really queer experience. It was with some really amazing... Um, uh, it, I, the whole cast was trans. Um, And it was a really, really cool thing Mm. to do. I've also been working commercially. I did a couple of music videos this year and, you know, got to wear the fun outfits, had a pink ponytail (laughs) and like, was able to live my little girl fantasy of being in a pop video. And, and I think that it's not that dance isn't a part of my life. It's that I pick and choose when it's allowed to be because, I've taken my power back a little bit and and I think that that's what's really awesome about my relationship with dance right now is it's a little bit it's on my terms um and for so long it wasn't not saying I was forced to do anything but you know I was training so hard and then I was at USC which is at the time was probably the most difficult dance program anyone could go to and I was burnt out after, so I had some other things I wanted to do. So I'm kind of, I would say, here and there,
2: but...
0: And I apologize. I do remember seeing pictures of you um, from the music video. What music video?
1: Um, There were two videos for Tessa Violet. Um, she's She's a really awesome artist. She was really great to work with for... She... Talk about a safe set. Talk about an artist who puts their money where their mouth is. Tessa Violet. Two transgender Love dancers. That. See? Like, and I don't even think she knew we were trans when she hired us. Like, it was just a, an amazing experience. Um, but I did cut you off earlier. It, it's
0: pretty. No, no, I think it, it's pretty simple. You can either do this or do that. I think where people go is they try and appeal to both right now. And that's just creating chaos because that's not a fun place to be in. So you just got to do it. You got to put people like Lennon in charge at the (laughs) conventions or higher. I'm serious. Yeah. You you know, I recently had someone and I um, reach out to me about a, a film they did. And it was a, it was with, it was a gay film. And it didn't do that well. And they were blaming it that straight people didn't go see it. And I was like, I didn't go see it. I don't want to go see it (laughs) because one, it was not, it was, I didn't see anyone like me in it, even as a gay man. And so here's the thing. I'll even push back and say, yeah, they, they reached out and wanted me to quote unquote, Pick my brain. Yeah. No. We get that. You want to hire me? You want to hire me as the producer? Bring me on. And that's what I think it is. It's not at the table anymore. It's put them in charge. Put transgender women and men as directors, heads of studios, heads of dance companies, head of dance conventions as producers on um television shows there is but again to do that people are going to have to give up their power so um how is your dancing how is your experience as little len and dancing different from mm-hmm. womanly len
1: well one thing that's different is i have boobs now it's a whole different world with this this happening and it was funny because my very first show on stage in three and a half years, my strap snapped and I had to do 30 min. the first 30 minutes of the show, praying <laughs> that my nipple wouldn't come out. But then, but then afterwards I thought to myself, I kind of wish it did. I paid a lot of money for these. So I, I just think it's funny, you know, we're taught to be ashamed of our bodies and it's a whole other spiral, but um, that's my that's my funny answer, but I would say what it's like dancing now is it's it's really freeing. I would say it was really freeing and fun when I was little, and then now as an adult, it's really free and fun again. But that middle area, and, I was just and listening. I don't I don't blame anyone. I really don't, wholeheartedly. But I was there were a lot of times where I was miserable, like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, yeah, where I just didn't know who I was, and I I was. Cared so much about everything. And I was like cutting out certain types of food and, and just it was, it's too much. So, I mean, I tell kids now enjoy it all and dance should be fun and hard work should be fun. It shouldn't be traumatizing. And, you know, lean into teachers like John, you know, little plug there. I'm sure he's taking inquiries. Hire John. It's just one of those things where. You know, I wish I wish I would have let up on myself in that interim because I think that's when it wasn't as fun. But it's fun now.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Good. I can't wait to see you dance. Invite me to your next show.
1: We'll see when it when it is. I, I right now I don't you have never any know. plans, so you never we'll know. see.
0: Gina, how was you, you know? There's obviously back to like the immense pushback and boldness that Lennon has to be who she is. Yeah. So how did your um, family and friends react being uh, a transgender woman? How did they react.
2: I, I feel like on the surface, most everybody was very supportive. Um, if you dug a little deeper with some family and friends, you realized it was okay. Cause it was my kid. You know, like, oh, you're so supportive. That's so great. It's so great. But as long as it wasn't in their family or their child, you know, um, I think that many people in my family um, could do better as far as supporting her all around in the political world. Um, and just in everyday life, but for the most part, we've had a pretty positive experience. Um, but I think also because. What would you
0: say to those moms that out there that are in, maybe not in your position now, but were in your position in the beginning stages of Lenin coming to you with all of this and What would we say to them? Maybe the ones that aren't getting around supportive people, family and friends. What would you say to them, those moms?
2: So, I mean, first of all, let's let's be clear. Everything I learned about Lennon was on social media. So, like, when she came out of the closet, it's because she posted. (laughs) When she changed her name to Lennon, it's because suddenly on my Hulu, it was Lennon. And I'm like, who the frick is Lennon? Like, what? Did you change her name? You know, so she didn't like sit down and say, Mom, we need to have a talk. You know, I'm gay. I'm non-binary. I'm changing my name to Lennon. Like, I just found out like everybody else. I even found out the trans things through the trans video on TikTok. I'm like, oh, she came out as trans. Okay. I love you. Great. I mean, you never sat down with me and told me things. I think you I think she just expected that I kind of knew and just was like, yeah, she'll catch on. But I did Did you know? I mean, yeah. I mean I always you know, I always thought like, oh, you know, maybe she's this, maybe she's that or whatever, and then she would confirm it and we'd move on. But again, never because she sat down and said, "Mom, we got to talk." You know, it was always on social media or some grandiose you know i'm trans video and i'm like oh suddenly you're on entertainment tonight and vogue and this and that and i'm like oh oh my kid look oh she's she's coming out yeah so i think she's
1: underselling the part of all that yes yeah, she is oh no it's true She's
0: Her reaction to you. She's under uh, underselling that completely.
1: I was going to say what she's underselling is, is how much she listened and how much she Mm -hmm. learned. She had no idea about any of this before having me. And yeah, I think something that I didn't realize until now, we've never talked about this, but I guess when I was really young, she brought me to a psychologist because I was dressing up like a girl at the time, like a girl. And she Was like really worried about just my. She didn't know what to do. What do you do with it? Yeah. Yeah. What do I do? And she brought me to a psychologist. Psychologist told her, you know, she's probably going to be gay and just let it be. It's
2: not a big deal. all. And I or or they said or she said you might cross dress.
1: Yeah, and so I think that's just an example of like you know more people need to know. And if you're a psychologist or a therapist or any healthcare professional, you need to do your due diligence, but. 20 years ago. That's 20 years ago. And that's also not the conversation I feel like having right now. But (laughs) what I do want to say is every time I would explain to her, here's why I feel this way, or here's why in politics, it's important that you're voting this way. Here's why she really listened and she read books and she followed social media Mm -hmm. accounts that would teach her things. And I think there is, there is a benefit to that stuff. And I think that you were such a good listener and mm-hmm. you've you've really turned into an insane advocate and an yeah. insane like my mom actually embodies the definition of ally and I feel like so many people don't and say they do but she really is because she's learned and she advocates on my behalf on the behalf of all trans kids not just me oh yeah and she Puts her money where her mouth is and that, and she's had relationships in her life fall apart because of it. And I just think that that can't go unsaid. You, you're a great listener. So listen to and your kid.
2: What I would tell parents of children that maybe they think are, are gay or trans or whatever, like it, it it's, I would love to go around and speak to high schoolers or middle schoolers or whatever. It's not hard. (laughs) You listen to your kid. However your kid is feeling, you support that and you make sure everyone that surrounds them supports that. And it's not that hard to be okay with it because I think, I think parents and people in these, you know, children's families make it about them. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have a gay kid. Oh my god. Oh my god. Or I'm gonna have a trans child. Oh, you know, what, what's this look about me? And you know, Aunt Betty's gonna be so upset, or whatever. Like, it's not about you. It's about your kid. So take the pressure off yourself and just say, "This is where we're at. This is I'm gonna support you and I love you." And it's not that hard. It makes me crazy. It's not that
0: hard. It's different. It's, it's different. It's not that hard. It's extremely different. And what? Who made you so bold, Gina? Because that's really bold, especially. It's being who you are. And who you live.
2: It's. I see, I'm sorry. It's easier that way, because I personally mm-hmm. know a couple that has a trans child or trans adult. I think she's. 21 and they like they are struggling and their marriage is struggling and dad is trying to come to terms with the fact that you know he now has a trans daughter (sighs) yeah it's different and it's it's a lot to think about but how much easier it is it to have your child in your life and happy and whole? You know, I don't, I don't ever, ever want a suicidal child. And I don't ever want to think, gosh, I should have, I wish I, I wish I would have done better and my child would still be here. You know what I mean? Like, that's not worth it to me. So, so if, if that's what, Your child's bringing to the table, support your child a hundred percent, and really, I, I I promise it's not that hard, especially when they feel whole, because you have children and you think I want my babies, my toddlers, my children, my grown adult children to be whole. That's all you want in your life is for your kids to be whole and happy. So if if it just takes you saying. Okay, if this is how you feel, this is where we're at. This is what we'll do. It it's so much easier than fighting it and worrying about yourself about you know, what oh my gosh, what does this do to me? It's so much easier.
0: I love that you said, first of all, I love that you're giving me like such mom feelings right now, you know, hearing (laughs) that
2: it's Um, so much easier.
0: It's not hard. And, but I love that it is so It is so much easier. It's because you didn't say, oh, it's hard or because it's different. No, it's, it's easier. And I think people, um, it's good to hear that because you're living it and you're saying that it's easier. So um, what do you have to say to continue those mom vibes to the kids right now? whose parents aren't accepting them and who are aggressively not accepting them and who are feeling a lot of suffering.
2: I don't, I don't even, I don't even know. That's why I would like to go around and like, I would love to have an open phone number, like call me, email me. If you need help in figuring this out with your kid. Cause I don't, I don't know how else to help parents accept who their child is. It's never about how to fix it. This child.
0: is the truth of it. Some parents may never. Some of those parents won't. So that's what I'm saying. The ones that they won't, what do you have to say to them?
1: Don't have kids. Or call me.
0: No. To the to the kids, not to the
2: Oh. I, and I, yeah. You owe oh, you me to the kids. Oh.
0: For yeah, really? the kids that are needing—they want to hear that. Um,
2: find an ally. It's okay. What do you find an ally anywhere you can? I mean, I've had kids sit in my chair when I'm cutting hair, and I know something's up. And I try to be a really super safe space by bringing Lennon up, um, even when she was in her gay phase. You know, you know, oh, I have a gay child. You know, whatever and just trying to make it open like, Oh gosh, these kids need to find an ally. I don't, I don't know what, I don't even know what else to say to them because if they don't. Is there a
0: place Lennon that would go to, to have, find an ally?
2: Even in their family, even if they think there's someone in their family that would um, accept it more so, you know, a cousin or an aunt or, Somebody that they feel safe around, but I don't know. Like I I mean a friend. Actually, I
0: think that's good advice. I think that's good advice because I never as I got older I realized that, but I never I wanted my parents to accept it so bad. That was my main I was like I was obsessed with it when I wasn't even looking at family I, members or close friends of mine who were there to save me already. So I know you have to leave soon too though. So on that I wanna just to kind of finish it up. What are you, you're doing the, um, talk about your work with the heat initiative, Lennon.
1: Um, I feel so, I mean, okay. Give it in a nutshell. Yeah. I was like, I don't know where to go from here, but, um, okay. So lately I've been, I kind of alluded earlier, you know, I've been doing a lot of stuff, Uh, for kids. And so I'm currently uh, a campaign and partnerships manager for a nonprofit called Heat Initiative. And over at Heat, we are pressuring leading tech companies to eradicate and remove and report child sexual abuse images and videos off of their platforms. Uh, There's a lot of negligence um, among leading tech companies. I mentioned the uh, the lawsuit brought to, uh, to meta earlier, but, uh, I'm currently managing, uh, our current campaign is a corporate pressure campaign against Apple. We are not running a smear campaign. We, I'm on an Apple computer. I have an iPhone. It's more of just holding them accountable for what they should be doing, which is not having child sexual abuse images and videos on iCloud. And that is currently something that they allow and they don't want the the world to know that. And it's really crazy. I would say the last six months I've been working, um, I was a, I was a consultant for a while, but moved in house recently, but you know, I've been working on this issue for six months now and I know things that I, I don't want to know. Um, and I don't want anybody else to know, but just know that it's not good and and these tech companies have a responsibility to to eradicate and report this and fix their platforms and develop technology that uh protects these kids and there's this huge conversation uh going about it and going around of of privacy and you know it's it's essentially what happened was in 2021 Apple Uh, Released this technology that uh, detected known child sexual abuse images and videos um, on iCloud, and it would and there was a reporting mechanism that they created, and it was done in a privacy forward way. It was done where there was no scanning involved; there was none of that. It was it was literally matching uh, it was detection. It worked like a stoplight camera. Like you're only being take your own photos only taken if you're breaking the law kind of type of, of software and, and technology. But when they released it, um, they, they led with the how, um, and like all this technology of how, and it confused people and the privacy lobby and the privacy absolutists, pressured Apple. And then Apple silently rolled back this, this technology and didn't implement it. And what we're finding now is that a lot of parents think that Apple is doing this and they're just not. And it's really disheartening. Um, it's, it's, it can impact real lives. Um, there's like, you know, a, an example I use and I won't give you details. Don't worry. Is as if there was this young child who was a victim of of child sexual abuse and was being filmed and and their imagery was being uploaded and shared on the dark web and things like that, um, it, uh, some of this abuse could stop a lot quicker if if there was this detection in iCloud because when these images and videos are traded or found in these people's libraries, they would be reported and law enforcement would take care of it But what happens now is there's these people with thousands, and I'm talking thousands of images and videos of, sorry to be crass, of child rape that aren't being reported or uh, being taken down because it's circulating freely on iCloud. There's no security features. and, And the argument so often becomes, well, you know, what about my data, my privacy? We're in this era of of data privacy, which is important to be clear, data privacy is important. I'm not saying it's not, but a video of a three-year-old being raped is not your private data. So until people and until Apple answers why they think it's personal data and why that content is personal data, I have a job. So me and, and the CEO and this badass team of women are, are really working within the field, you know, this is a big issue. We work with multiple organizations. We were in conversation with them. We're not doing this in a silo um, We're we're funded by some really amazing people. And, and that's that. And, and that's what I'm working on. And it's going to take probably multiple years to get this done. Apple is a major company, but we're here to stay. So it's going to be a good old time.
0: How do we support it? How do we support yeah. the initiative?
1: Of course, I would say right now the best way to get involved is to um, go to our website, which is heatinitiative.org. And say that uh, one
0: more time. Say that one more time, broke up.
1: Uh, the website is heatinitiative.org. And you can go there to learn about our current campaign and sign up for our email list that is not very active. We're not in your inbox every two every minute of every day. Um, And and we keep our, we're hoping to keep our supporters informed and, in what they can do to continue pushing these companies to do the right thing. So tell your friends, talk about it with your kids, uh, warn them, you know, follow all these accounts that are talking about it, read the news. Um, But it's, it's, Nothing's going to change until for this situation, until Apple realizes that this is something the public wants. And, and we did research, we did due diligence. We did a poll through a very esteemed researcher and 90% of Americans think this should happen. So why
2: isn't it?
0: Of course. I mean, yeah, to help end suffering and to, um, it's not about freedom. That's what people, I mean, people will say, you know, privacy is about, it has nothing, you know, hate is, we don't live in a free country where you can hate. And we don't live in a free country where you can have images like that of young kids and just expect that it's protected. Um, oh, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, that's a heavy. No, I mean, that's, it's amazing. It's just, it's, it's, I mean, that is tied to the dance competition world too. You know, I was just at a dance competition in May and there was, um, a guy got kicked out for being in the room because he did not have a band. I don't even think his, he was asking little girls for their number for his daughter and, um, You know, we, uh, I, I, it's horrible, but we can't just put pink paint over it and put a little message out, you know, um, especially not for, uh, maybe that's why you feel sad for the people. That's why you say don't have kids because that's kind of all that we do these days is and really try and make a change. So I know that you are definitely doing that. With with a lot of the stuff you're doing, Lennon and Gina, you, by what you said, I know, comforted a lot of people, comforted me. I definitely know that for sure. And before we go, I wanted to ask. What's the oldest thing you've done, Lennon? And in one sentence.
2: I mean,
1: (laughs) I quit my job because I didn't. Want to be there anymore. <laughs>
0: Perfect. That's bold. Quit um, your job. Just kidding.
2: Nah, <laughs> everyone quit your job.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> that's a really hard question. Wait, does
0: not that in Break Your. That's the song. Yeah. It okay. Is. Gina, what's the fierce. What's the fiercest thing you've done?
2: I don't know. Oh. She lit. She's. I am me because of her. So, <laughs> like. I saved a dog from the street.
0: I mean, it was the fiercest thing you did.
1: That's true. Yeah.
2: She (laughs) saves a lot of dogs. I do. I do. She's like an
1: avid dog saver.
2: Yeah. I donate all my money to dogs that are in the euthanasia list. That's, that's my bold thing. I don't know.
0: Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty fierce. The boldest thing I've done is start this podcast.
2: (laughs) There you go. congratulations
0: wait look at that that's my junior mr dance of america trophy
1: oh like
0: that i know still still in it i just thought i know you would appreciate that you know there's going to be other people on here who aren't from the dance competition world so they won't care about my trophy from 1992 (laughs) but i know I love your drum. I know Lennon does. And, Lennon. and I am a little sad we didn't get to talk about the amazing Lori Waddell, but, you know.
2: Oh, Lori.
1: Lori is. Yeah, we, she's, she's another
0: one that is a great advocator who helped me a lot to be myself and created a safe space to explore and just be without any judgment. Which was weird at times, because I was like, why isn't she judging me? Because other people are judging me. This
2: <laughs> is weird. It was a little like,
0: yeah, like, why aren't you caring that this boy in our class is putting lip gloss on yeah. at this time, you know? But, so, you know, um, I, love her. I, love, I love, and I love that you, those are other teachers out there that are um, great and, and her being and talk about being bold doing that in Scottsdale Arizona so um, shout out to Lori Waddell
1: I'll say this Lori I owe I owe my life to you yes right after my mom and my dad there's yes. Lori. <laughs> yes. so yeah I love her she's great
0: all right well um, thank you so much I love you both and let me know if you need anything
1: you too John Mwah.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Dance Dad with John Carella. Thank you to everyone at Hivecast for all that you do. And if this episode meant something to you, please share it and subscribe. Also, you can follow Dance Dad with John Corella on all platforms. But most importantly, remember to be bold and be fierce.